clearly we are the target audience for this goddamn movie. Yeah, I don't think we are. We're not Asian, so. <laughs> oh well, no, I am suicidal, so. Oh, my God. Oh. I played that game for, like, one hour, and I was like, holy shit, I am the stupidest person on the planet, and then I gave it back. Well, I'm very proud of you that you <laughs> actually gave it an hour. All I imagine now is the Fonz being in the day's ex machina. <laughs> hey! hey. hey. He's, he's on the battleground just like... <laughs> Finger, finger blasting at all the bag of hey, and it's actually lasers like hey, hey. Should I go in stealth mode or should I just bust them all down? I don't know why the Fonz talks like that. Say, why does he sound like Roy Moore now? It's like Fonz, you just got hit with an RPG. How come you didn't? uh, How come you didn't die? It's like, oh, I hit up under this uh, cabinet with all of my uh, all my wallets, and I'm just like, how many wallets? Hey, man, I got a lot of wallets. See, this sounds like Sylvester Stallone. This proves right here that Ernest Klein is fucking full of shit. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we talk about the Steven Spielberg film, which is Ready Player One. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 148 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with the usual co-host, Nick Cheney, and Toussaint Egan. Hey, what's up? Player 2 has entered the game. Are you player 2? Yeah. So Nick is player one. Yeah. Well, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Okay. Oh, boy. So, believe it or not, our friend Samantha has decided Don't to... Don't call her Sam. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Is I'm confused way? as to who I'm supposed to be, but yes, I'm here. Yeah. Player three has entered the game. <laughs> player Three. three. Well, this isn't a one-person game. It was never supposed to be. I mean, if it was a one-person game, if Film Tank was a one-person game, then we're just like figments of your imagination. Man, I hope Tucson isn't a figment of my imagination. <laughs> Fuck you! I feel really bad about myself. <laughs> Fuck you! That would make me uncomfortable sexually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like everybody else in this room, fine. Oh, my God. But, oh, but. my God. Mm. Thank you. So, uh, we'll just go right into again. Sam, thank you very much for joining us. Mm-hmm. She is, like, by far, like, the you're, you think you've surpassed Kenny on the amount of episodes you've been on. Or it's oh getting God. close, so it's pretty great. I feel special. No, you should. It's... You don't talk about sperm as much. But... I don't plan to. Oh, okay. That's probably I mean, for the best hey, for everybody. Until this episode. Until, Alec, can you run these now. guests by me next time, please? Because I'm starting to get mixed feelings. Thanks. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I, I wish you would have covered your hand even, too, just to, like, yeah. you could still hear it. But... <laughs> oh, she can hear this? What? Wait. 
Is God. that you speaking? It's too dark in here. I, I can't hear you. Yeah, we do this in the dark, by the oh, way. Oh, Lord. I'm really glad you didn't no. say that to Jusan, because that would have been... Please racist. don't. Please don't. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh, He's my... here. Fuck you. <laughs> Smile, Toussaint. Oh, my God. Fuck you. Anyway, continue. <laughs> You're on the white man's camera. Ready Player One is a movie. Uh, before, and a book. I was going to say mm-hmm. before, though, it was a book uh, written by Ernest Klein. Who is also the author of that one poem that he wrote when he was my age, and that absolutely mm-hmm. disturbs me. Definitely. That he achieved something so great and you haven't? Uh, well, <laughs> no. I wouldn't call that greatness. Uh, I call no. that falling upward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, he wrote the, the original text. For this, uh, and it was the tome. Some, somebody call it the Bible. The, the tome, the uh, the, and it was then the turn- gospel according to Pac-Man <laughs> turned into a film by uh, Steven Spielberg. Yep, who directed mm-hmm. this film after just last year directing. Um, Did the Pope. you see that fucking article that uh, said why Ready Player? I think it was IndieWire, maybe that wrote it. Of course, it would be, and it was like. Why Ready Player One is the comeback Steven Spielberg needs, or something like that, and of course everybody took that article to task. Be like, yeah, because he definitely hasn't been nominated for the past four out of five of his features for Best Picture. Remember, I, I mean, I was, like it was just—I was going to say the the only film he had that was kind of a clinker was The Big Fucking Giant. So, right, I mean, it's just anyway. Remember when IndieWire was just all over Darren Aronofsky? And fawning over him for mother, I've just learned to not listen to them. Yeah. Maybe Darren Aronofsky paid them. That wouldn't be very punk. <laughs> it actually wouldn't be very punk at all. No. Is this movie punk? Uh, no. No. Mm. No, it's more disco if you listen to the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that's right. As a resident punk, no, it's not. Well, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> so, wow. Ready Player One surrounds. Oh. A come on, okay, sorry. A boy, <laughs> a special little white boy. <laughs> it's the only kind we can make movies about. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. What a terribly written synopsis. Because it doesn't tell you shit about well, what actually happens in the movie. No. Wait, and also, too, it says, we'll, which will give the finder his fortune, makes it seem like... What it, fortune? It, I was going to say, it, the finder gets their own fortune that they already... Uh, well, it does The it fortune say, was inside you all along. It's it, called friendship, fucker. Does it say his <laughs> fortune? Because that implies, too, that no vagina is allowed. Mmm... Which we kind of get throughout this, because even because mm-hmm. we definitely can't have any black females. It's got to be that a boy in the real world. Well, yeah, but in in the Oasis, you'll be shamed if you're. But if you're a black man, you're cool. So, what would your avatar yeah. look like, by the way? <clears throat> Should we go around the circle? I think so. Sure. Um, well, oh, let's 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 answer a real question here. <laughs> Just so we don't have to go too crazy or whatever, but are you the kind of person, if you play a video game, where you make someone that looks like yourself, or you make someone or something that looks very different? I'm the kind of person where I will make myself and try to make it as close as possible, but not too close. Um, I add about like two feet to my height, but just about everything else is, is the same. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Except yeah. for in Second Life where you were a cat. Yeah. That is true. But I was a sexy cat. Yeah. This, this, 
This movie is basically if Second Life was actually successful. Mm. Second Life was very successful. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, was it, it, it they sold it was. to. There were Just because you can sell it to our alma mater doesn't make it successful. Okay, you can sell a lot of things to our alma mater. Second Life made they're... an appearance in the office. Okay, like <laughs> I'm like making a joke, but also like if it was just there, it was. But yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it was the butt of a joke in the office, right? But the fact that it reached that lexicon, which is probably the most popular show of American television in the last like. Decade to yeah. be completely fair, sure. Uh, like that, that's pretty up there at right. that time. If you ask someone now, anybody under the age of whatever, which is funny because it's not like it was that long ago, mm-hmm. but like that's how quickly it burned out. But right. yeah. that was a big thing at that moment. Yeah. People probably don't even know what the term sitcom means. Okay. Situational comedy. That wasn't a test. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I thought we were in the oasis. I, I, was, thought, I thought I was. Uh, I thought this was a test in order to get Andrew Knox. I, was I wasn't talking key. about you. I was talking about other millennials. <laughs> oh, okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Second Life. I don't know, man. That whole thing. That was a weird thing to throw in. Sure was. College mm-hmm. students, because they're like, well. Don't be rude, because these people actually take this seriously, and it's like... Eh. <laughs> I think I'm going to be even more rude. Yeah, but you yeah. can say that about fascism. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I don't know if we want to yeah. turn certain people in college classes loose on people who are really taking yeah. it seriously. Yeah. I uh, Returning to your first question, we were asking about... <laughs> the Avatar. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Avatar. is like, I would make it look like me. That's what you. That's your general thing. That's as my, far as yeah, from, yeah. And I am the same way yep. as far as uh, pretty much anything. What What's only that? I would have the suit from Echo. That would be my thing. The suit. Oh, the suit from Echo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, that's a, the that's indie a dope game song. that came out last year. Which yeah. Toussaint loves that game, mm-hmm. and I'm not a gamer, but mm-hmm. he made me play it, and I also love that game. So yeah. if anyone's looking for a cheap game mm-hmm. to play, play yeah. it. It's good. Anyway, yeah. uh, but no, I'm with you in that. I create myself uh, most. So the time I when I look into a game now, a if it's any kind of like wait what into a mirror, into a mirror, darkly. Samantha. Yeah, <laughs> do we need to have a talk? <laughs> we are talking. <laughs> that is true. Um, no, but most of the time in a lot of games that aren't fantasy based, I would say there's only certain types of males that mm-hmm. get made into this game. Like you know, glasses are not allowed and. Not, oh, I always seek out glasses. Well, I mean, not not that they're never allowed. Or yeah. Whatever. But, like, I just, like, played, uh, I'm playing Far Cry right mm-hmm. now, the fifth installment. And, of course, you can only be a buff, handsome, you know, rigorous mm-hmm. male or female, which yeah. is, I guess, a step forward. Uh, I say I guess because that's, like, too little too late. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, but sadly, I, I do realize that my own subconscious does gravitate toward always choosing a white skin color. Like, I don't know if that's just because I'm racist or because I think I'm trying to be myself, but it's funny because these people never actually look like me, so yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm afraid of. I guess I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm just scared that, like, the NPCs are going to treat me differently. No, no, no game developer is brave enough to actually go through yeah, it. Would that be cool? I would love that they, they actually did. That would yeah. be. So, so anyway, uh, so I'm with Tucson in that I usually do something a little more to my own reality. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Um, it depends on the game. Um, sometimes I, so like Skyrim, uh, Elder yeah. Scrolls, when I played that one for a little bit, I really liked doing something different um, and going outside of what the palette that I would be on, essentially. 
Um, and it it's fun because I enjoy like in a weird way being creative with creating people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also played like Sims. I was I was and still am one of those people that like just likes to kind of goof off with that. Um, and I've done a variety of like different types of people, whether it's um, color or it's size or age and things like that and just kind of doing a combination of like seeing all the different combos you can make of people it's almost like you're like that song by the verb you're a million different people from one day to the next you can change your mode your mode your mode and yeah it's almost like that (laughs) (laughs) um I was going to say to you, Sam, that I have not played The Sims in, like, a while because Mm -hmm. there's something about my adult self that would not allow me to play The Sims because all I have are memories of my, like, prepubescent self playing The Sims. (laughs) Trying to kill everybody? No, like, having, like, a house full of me and then, like, teachers I thought were hot and living, (laughs) living under the same roof. That's amazing! So... I, I feel like as an adult, I will either find out that I'm the same person all these years later, <laughs> or you, you can't afford, that. or that I'm deeply ashamed of who I was, and I don't know that I can live with either. So, uh, but fair. I am with That's you. A fair point. <laughs> but I am with you in that uh, mm-hmm. if it's fantasy like Skyrim, I actually, yeah. that is probably the only time where I like start to go crazy. But I mm. think um, f- with fantasy games, I enjoy like going outside of that realm because you have so many more possibilities with different. Um, races and different um, makes of creatures, too. So you can be a fey creature. You can be, like, a lizard person, a kobold, whatever. A little cat person. Um, And kind of going on that topic as well, I'm a nerd. I play Dungeons and Dragons. As do I. I Um, do, too. Yes. Okay. Um, I figured you guys would. Alex isn't involved. That's something that... There is, like, pretty much, like, a... Reticulate, you know, like I don't, yeah. I haven't spoken to many people who are like, yeah, I'm basically playing myself. Uh, right. my, my character is really based on me. <laughs> That'd be kind of creepy, actually. There's, um, so the one group that I was in I was for say, a little be while. Like, well, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, that's me. Um, the first group that I was <laughs> in when I first started playing like Dungeons and Dragons, um, a couple of people in the group definitely their characters fit who they were because they chose people who like went with their alignment and you could tell that their characters were making choices because of those like those people behind them um but i wanted to do something different and so initially yeah the character that i had was a little bit more diplomatic which is kind of what my role is in real life yeah um but at the same time like i also did chaotic things and i very much enjoyed it and then the second character i made was a rogue and it was totally like balls to the walls kind of character, and I loved it. It was kind of like acting in that moment. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, "This is so much fun." Yeah, I can um, see that. But yeah, the, the ability to make avatars that are different from you is interesting, especially because of that. And this kind of goes into the conversation about this game or this movie, um, whatever it's a game. Got to play this um, movie. <laughs> you gotta, gotta play, play it. it. Um, but that sort of. <laughs> um, that sort of, you have an online presence that can totally be, like, misconstrued and, like, it's not the same as the person that you are, um, which I thought was interesting uh, because that seemed to be such a focal point for a little while. Um, 
but we already have technology and that's something we already talk about like with kids and the internet so it just felt i don't know which is probably why there's there's a bit of a disconnect between when the original book was written and when the film was released Mm -hmm. yeah this uh this this future is really fucked um it's it's sort of like leans entirely into the 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 fatalism of Of a, of a period just like yeah it's uh, the year 2044 after the great uh corn syrup droughts and like the uh <laughs> the bandwidth wars and the and and the 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 the, the what google was... glasses have taken over yeah google glasses have taken over we just saw star wars episode 64 last year yeah <laughs> unfortunately it didn't show up in the uh the actual oasis so it's 2048 or around that time yeah 2045 2045 yeah but the only known program of entertainment i assume is vh1 i love the 80s yeah, <laughs> I did have a question about that. I just I don't understand the. Uh... It, it's it's something that I think I'm sort of fascinated by that because it's more of a reflection of the period which that book was written, and also of the, the sort of the cultural period that we're in now. Right. That... It, it almost explains why it got made into a movie. Right. Now. That's why why it resonates for right now because we're sort of in a moment where we are. Looking back towards romantically. romantically towards like the the pop Reagan. culture of the nineteen eighty yeah exactly it was like mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad shit that's that's pouring over and intensifying from the fucking eighties mm-hmm. but we just seem to be like boy I love Transformers <laughs> boy I love Ghostbusters and all that other shit because that's just the candy coated like gloss that sort of surrounded it but it's it's it, it's when when you take a step back and look at the universe of this film itself, it's actually very very depressing. Like, what was it uh, he said? What the what the character said was just like we we stopped looking towards the we're the lost something, right? Lost generation. We're the lo- they're like the lost generation because they have no they have no pop culture. They they have right? nowhere else to go. There's no new horizons or anything like that. So literally, they're just regressing yeah. into this the, into this the, oasis. This <laughs> this film has, uh, in terms of its like grand universe, definitely feels like they're on an idiocracy trajectory. Oh here, yeah, oh yeah. Where we we've we've peaked and now it's only downhill from here. Oh yeah. Before we discuss like. What we thought about the movie. By the way, I would be my myself. Would you? So we're all games. kind of. You'll be Wayne Gretzky. Almost. In the, what? You'd be Wayne Gretzky. You saying I look like Wayne Gretzky? No, I just <laughs> seemed like a thing. I will plug though that Wayne Gretzky's hockey on Nintendo sixty four was a fantastic video game. Mm-hmm. I still have it. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I have to ask a question. Because yeah. I'm curious what people think here. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read the book. Who's read the book? Everyone raise your hands. Don't say it out loud. Okay, so now our listeners know. Now, <laughs> Toos not raise his hand. Um, it's been ages. Yeah, no. So, But pretty much we all haven't read the book, so mm-hmm. to speak, yeah. as far as we're not like have it here with our highlighted notes and whatnot. So how does pop culture exist in this world if it can only exist in the Oasis? Like, if people can't go to the movies and watch... I mean, they can do it in the Oasis, but that seems like a snake eating its own tail because people don't seem to watch 
the shining so to speak like that seemed like nobody was there <clears throat> so it's like how and yet everybody in that movie except for the one guy who ha ah, hasn't seen the shining i'm just saying like how, how i don't understand how this pop culture love fest can sustain itself if we're never given any viable scenes of any of these people interacting with pop culture outside of the game. It just doesn't make you sense. You mean that they're not actually interacting with said pop culture, but rather they're sort of just... Like gra- he loves gra- Buckaroo they're, 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 gra- right? they're grazing against it uh, in a perfunctory manner because yeah. they're going after this contest. And if anything, the whole description of the snake eating its own tail and this really just being a, 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 a fucking clusterfuck of of affectations just bumping against one another like yeah that's 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 right but i'm not crazy to think that like like just going beyond whether i think that's the apotheosis of pop culture right pretty much yeah and i i'm not like and right now i'm not even speaking as to like whether i think there's too many references or whether they're pointless references or whatever but if we have the answer is yes but if we have a character (laughs) who "Quote unquote favorite movie is Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, right. So much so that mm-hmm. he'll even dress up like him uh, when he wants to look cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I've never got an impression that in his own world outside the Oasis, considering how young he is, right. that he would even have access to that culture. Right, mm-hmm. unless he does it through the Oasis. But if you're in the Oasis, you're being <sighs> exposed to everything. How do you even find something like that? Yeah. I, it just doesn't well, make any sense. Well, the reason to me. why he was able to find that is because it was listed with all of the creators. Okay. Like and favorite so things. And so, thing. and so, like, his preferences, it's not even a matter of his preferences, but rather his preferences are gleaned from the those that of the actual creator themselves. Yeah. I guess. Can I just open it up really quick? Please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. You made a strong showing, and I'm and I'm very proud of you. Is it is it is Thank it you. cool if I like oh. list out who's in the film? And, and all oh that yeah, sorry. So Ready Player One, we already mentioned uh, this is a Steve, Steven Spielberg film. His, Stevie, yeah, his second <laughs> film to be released in three and a half months uh, after The Post came out uh, in December of last year. The film stars Ty Sheridan as Parsifal slash Wade. Also, Olivia Cook is the uh, the main female character, known as not Sam, but Samantha. Also, Artemis is her Oasis name. And then you have Ben Mendelsohn, who doesn't have an Oasis name. He's only known as Sorrento. And then you have Lena... Wait, is that how you say her last name? Sure. Okay. Uh, who's known as H in the game world, and then Helen in the real world. And you have other people showing up here, including the aforementioned T.J. Miller, also Simon Pegg, and Mark Rylance, who plays uh, Halliday, the creator of the Oasis. So, go ahead, Nick. Well, what I was just briefly talking about is kind of my overall thoughts on this movie, which is, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I don't really think it works. Uh there are some great little scenes throughout where I was actually kind of on board with what I was seeing as a visual spectacle, so to speak. But uh, from start to finish, I am just bombarded with a very soulless take on a fandom at large, so to speak. I'm, I don't care that... This movie is referencing most of mostly things that I don't care about. Like that's one thing because I could. It doesn't matter if I don't care for Ghostbusters. It doesn't matter that I don't care for. You don't like Ghostbusters. You've never seen The Shining. Well, I have seen The Shining. What? Yeah. Do you but, shine because you saw The Shining? 
Oh, Sam. Sweet, naive Sam. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't care about Back to the Future all that much. Like, I, I do like it, but, like, that's not one of my <gasps> cultural touchstones. Sorry. I mean, I grew up watching it, but what? I don't feel the same way. Like, all this movie was missing was Star Wars for me to be like, wow, that's a trifecta of just things I just don't really care about. But, uh, I know, right? What's wrong with you? A lot of things. (laughs) Fuck you. um, What? (laughs) But, like, even if this movie was about things that I liked, it still would work the same way for me because this movie never, in my opinion, treated the idea of pop culture obsessions and, I don't know, rabid fandom with, Mm -hmm. I thought, respect. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say with an actual understanding of it outside of its surface Tumblr-esque uh, rantings and rambling. No, I, I, I agree, but I that's agree. that's exactly what this, what what that what that original book was. Oh, it, no, was, I, it was literally, it's like, oh my God, I get, I get to read where they're talking about the Bebop ship and he's got the Bebop ship and they got the Ava Zero One and they got the, the gun. the Bebop to... ship in the book? Yeah, they got the Bebop ship in the book. Mm. It's actually on the, the poster and I was kind of pissed that I wasn't able yeah, to see it. Yeah, it there. And I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I have a lot of things to say about this, but most of them I'm going to say because they're just so, they're so, Despaired from each other that mm-hmm. I don't want to go off on too many tangents. I'll just say this: I think this cast, for the most part, is actually up to the task, even if the task is not uh, there to serve them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like Ben Mendelsohn in a very thankless role. Like I thought that even if he was a one-note villain, he gave more than one note to this one-note villain. Like um, some of his line deliveries were just, and I know I'm a Ben Mendelsohn uh, fanatic. There's a reason for that. There is. And I think it's because of even roles like this where I'm I'm still delighted by what he does. Um, And um, I do think some of the time during this runtime, Spielberg reminds me why he's become so ubiquitous with pop culture in general, which certainly makes him the perfect person to make this movie in a way. Um, But maybe what makes him the perfect person to make this movie is also what doomed this movie uh, from the beginning, which is uh, certainly there are parallels between Halliday and himself. And if I felt like Spielberg was interested in exploring that and not just presenting that, then maybe I would like this movie more. But unfortunately, I think that's what connected him to the project, but it never really extended beyond a self-recognition in the mirror. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pass it on for right now. But overall, I think it pretty much doesn't work. But I am very, very interested in talking about specific scenes and specific themes. But... Please take it away, Nick. Yeah. So I just got back from a comic convention, um, and it seems like I'm in the best primed like headspace to really like tackle this film in particular versus then just when I initially saw it. Because I just got back from a show floor where I had to see Tanya Harding uh, pose with a picture with Batman and the Teenage Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Yes, she did have a crowbar. Um, it was um, – this movie is – it's not a good movie. This is not a good movie. It's not a good book. The prose is awful. I'm not really I, – I, I remember sort of like taking some sort of like 
visceral joy, like a very basic joy out of just like reading like these things that I liked and how they were kind of combined in this context. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be really great if there wasn't such a thing as like, you know, uh, intellectual property laws that you didn't weren't able to like engage with all this cool stuff. But now it just seems like without context, it doesn't have any meaning whatsoever in and of itself because it's now it's just a big gloss of aesthetics that don't really complement one another in any way. This and whole movie is Jonah Hill and this is the end saying, sick reference, bro. Your references are out of control. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what this what this film is. It is um only they're not really sick references. They're very basic references. I think that there, there was a, an interesting note. I, I came across this one article that was talking about why so basic. Why uh, it is it is very basic. Basic starring John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. Now that's a sick reference. So, someone was asking the question like, "How come, I love that movie, how come we don't it. see any pop culture from after 2017, 2018? How come it just sort of like Rotten stopped? Tomatoes, man. How come it just stops there though? And I'm just like, that's a really good question because like, it's like for some reason it just – Well, it just, here in reality – uh, we yeah. haven't reached that yet. Exactly, but I'm just saying, like within this hypothetical context, they could have done something creative if they wanted so, to to actually so, create so Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic Park Five. Oh God. Yeah. So here's the problem. Even fucking Back to the Future did that shit. Like they didn't do yeah, it. That's like true, actually. Yeah. So the the difference though is Back to the Future wasn't banking on selling their audience on all of these references that we have. Mm-hmm. So if you have references for something that doesn't really exist, people are just like, what? Yeah, but no, but they did, uh, what was it, Jaws 7? Or yeah. Something, you know? Like, yeah. So I'm just saying, even that movie... They had those engines. ...has a fun yeah. background gag that takes two seconds to think up mm-hmm. and honestly only does further the fun fantasy of that I, I agree world. they you. didn't have time for a fun and background for a movie gags. like this movie which is like that's your whole bag it just uncomfortably stops at 2017 like, yeah the, you could have had a line of like someone saying oh that's such and such and then someone saying i've never seen that and then like dude it came out in 2031 you don't you've never seen it. you know like i don't know anyway. yeah it's it's this movie is like that one old cyberpunk movie, Hackers, meets yep. Lego Batman meets Willy Wonka with, like, uh, Wreck-It Ralph thrown in. And, you know, I like all four of those movies to varying degrees. Um, all of them just, like, piled into one another. It's just like, man, that's just – that's a damn shame. Yeah. On Twitter, I said that this Kind of one... like a turducken version of it. <laughs> that's an awful turducken. Yeah. Hey, nobody said turducken has to be tasty. That's true. Ugh. I, I on Twitter I basically said that this was this movie was like if the developers of uh, Kingdom Hearts got together to make a same net neutrality ad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, even even given that, I feel like Kingdom, That's Har- true. That's Kingdom little... Hearts has more. I'm not like knocking Kingdom Hearts. No, no. Like, as, but I'm just saying yeah, like that. King, Kingdom Hearts is one of those alternate reality things that should not exist at all. Like that would be a background gag in a in a smarter version of Ready player one but yet that as 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 fucked up as that entire franchise like, is how did this movie as, as complicated book, as it is it has more sincerity in it as 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 sort of like a like a shill between square enix and disney than this entire film could ever have i'm serious though like this wouldn't have saved the movie but if there was one scene when like the crew of ready player one mm-hmm. basically just walks 
into the crew of Kingdom Hearts. Like, you just see Mickey and... Oh, uh, my God. I will love that. And then, like, it just gets uncomfortable for a moment. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, that would have been one of the... That would have been That'd at be least hilarious. a movie. Yeah, and it would have been a little more self-aware of Yeah. That. But anyway. Yeah. It's like a Bizarro Jerry type thing. Yeah. 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 This film is beyond any form of self-awareness other than to just sort of wink to the audience that this is a reference to this Easter egg or this event. And oh yeah, um, what, what's let, let's talk about uh, Artemis. Let's talk about Artemis. Artemis uh, is a worse character in the book. She is much better in this film, and I kind of wish that she. What, what, what makes you say that? Yeah. Uh, what makes me say that is because she is basically non-existent in any real-world context, other than to be sort of like fond after by Parzival. And the moment when Artemis like lashes out at Parzival with the whole "I love you," it's like you don't love me. You just love the idea of me and how I like present myself to you. I'm just like, yes, go in, do it now. <laughs> so, but so it's interesting but you say that. Oh. She does. Like the minute, I wish well, you say what you're gonna say, Evan. I'll yeah. say what I'm gonna so say. So I, I will say, and I actually mentioned this to Nick right after we left the theater. Yeah. As soon as, uh, as soon as we see the real world character right. of, of her, I'm, Sam, Sa- Samantha. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Artemis. No matter yeah. what, it's not me. <laughs> so as soon as we see her real world character, we cease to find out new things about her. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I'll say two other things about what happens when we find her in the real world. Two things. One, the moment he finds her in the real world, she's ready to fuck. Like, I'm not being crass. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, he's trying to, like, lay down exposition, and she's staring at his lips, which doesn't make any sense because she was the one being proactive about realistic, you know, uh, idealization. But that went all out yeah, so of the window as soon as she saw damn lips. Yeah, but that's bullshit. But here's the other thing. I told, I told this to Alex when we left, which was that it, as bad as it is, in a Hollywood movie, I really never get all that worked up about the fact that it's always pretty people in blockbusters. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... It's going to happen. Like, there's literally, like, there are so many better battles to fight. Even Mm. if I wish we had slightly more average-looking people, like, Mm. anchoring these kind of, like, just fine, whatever. Let them jump off the skyscrapers. I don't give a fuck. But if you have your character literally say, like, you don't know what I look like. You just only like me in here. And then you have it. Your character be played by Olivia Cook with the most aesthetically pleasing wine. Uh, what do you call it? Wine. Birthmark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a wine color birthmark that yeah. kind of looks like. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mexico? but like, like literally a little. You're thinking of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, yeah. Not Mexico. Yeah. But like, I'm sorry, but like, it kind of look more, more like looks more like somebody really sucks at playing Tetris. <laughs> And that's kind of the pattern. Yeah. <laughs> but they couldn't have gone more. They couldn't have gone more Thank out you. of their way to make sure that her "quote unquote" deformity is just the most tolerable one she could have possibly had. I will, also, I will say this. Oh, I'm sorry. And played that's, by someone who's a Hollywood starlet, like gorgeous. Well, that's, that's something else. Is when I initially heard that line of you know you don't know what I look like and things like that. I envisioned. Because I hadn't watched any trailers for this. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, but I hadn't watched any prior to this. And then all of a sudden I see her and and I was like, well, but there's 
she still looks really pretty. Yeah, I, like, I figured it, like you were mentioning, it would be a much more average sort of folk. I you know, like they, and like, and also the which the other the, kids are though. Yeah, that's right. the thing though. And they could have at least like they could have at least like miscongenialityed her, like well, Sandra Bullock in the first thirty minutes. I, like I'm being glib, but like they make her to be the ugly. Princess Diaries. Yeah. Um. Exactly. So Mia Thermopolis. Yeah. By Anne Hathaway, like she has like poodle hair, like yeah. it is crazy how like staticky that hair is. You can at least see where self doubt yeah, comes from. You can see from. it com- like coming from somewhere, and. I think something else that, and I don't know if maybe it's in the book as well, but the the birthmark seems very faint. Yeah. Um, versus it is I like don't, I don't know most the people that subtlest David Bowie cosplay I've ever seen. Yes. Okay. I actually thought of David Bowie yeah. when I was watching this. And I was of course like, you did. Yeah. Come on now. As did I. Because um, of the color. Well, the color Catch of phrase. her hair. The color of her yeah. hair looked very similar, mm-hmm. and then the way it was over yeah. the eye. The woman like who felt her. Portion. I will say. <laughs> That's uh, not how my dad says it. <laughs> I will say this. Um, during the final scene that went on for about four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you not like Chucky? The desolation of Holiday. It's <laughs> yeah. good. It's fucking Chucky. Yeah, oh, that's where they spent their effort in this one. Steven Spielberg's likes to throw the kitty the bone. <laughs> um, during the final scene, Artemis actually has a birthmark on her face. Why? I don't know. It's there. She programmed the it? The avatar? Like... Yeah. Well, has I she noticed... always had it? No. Well, because I noticed that <laughs> the design on her avatar's face, like she has like, more jewels and gems, or like the, the yeah. Way, but like, I noticed like her is, face is, is like supposed more... to be. That was like when when I saw her in the real world, I thought, okay, that's why she makes her face look like it does, and like yeah, there is a correlation. So did you just not notice that? I don't think maybe? so. Okay. It, was, it was much like a more blatant actual yes. mirror image yep. of okay, mm. which could be. I, I have no idea. I'm just saying that's I r- mm-hmm. noticed it because they focus on her face a couple times in the final scene that again goes on forever. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense that they're character and avatar are melding a little bit more together maybe uh sam do you want to give your opening thoughts on ready player one um two three that'll be next time Ah, we did it (laughs) um so initially i had gone into this because um i had i had heard good things about the book itself um but then again i don't no, because sometimes books don't translate well into movies and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and also, people have very different tastes than, like, Toussaint and I do. Um, this movie <laughs> suggests that everybody has the same taste. Apparently. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and I, I had heard good things about it, and so I was interested to see um, what the film version would be like. Um, and I don't know if having taken... Um, I. So back in the fall, I had taken a speculative fiction course of working with and learning more how to create sci-fi, fantasy, um, speculative, um, horror, like, universes, mm-hmm. um, both in writing and then when you... So something that Ernest Klein has never taken. Probably. Um, no, he's a th- genius. <laughs> things that, like, you typically think about when you are constructing things that are otherworldly, in a sense. Um, and having learned a lot of information about universe creation in that. 
I went into this movie and I was like, okay, I'm ready to learn about like what this like futuristic dystopian like has to offer. Nothing. And within like the first ten minutes, I was actually quite bored um, because it was a lot of exposition and information, but I don't feel I gleaned anything from it, um, which was a little frustrating to me. This film thinks the audience is stupid. Yeah. The way we bounce from the planet to planet in that opening Mm -hmm. dive, so to speak, uh, is interesting to me because, in my opinion, that is like the worst structure possible for an MMORPG. Because Mm -hmm. there is nothing coherent about these worlds. And apparently it's like infinite, I guess. Like the way they describe it. The way it's described, yeah. So it's like how would anybody ever like quote-unquote run into people like the idea about this was like this is not neopets okay there's no town hall (laughs) where people are like just chilling the fuck out we're far away from neopets so here here is a and again i am not a gamer or a person who plays okay don't get defensive that's okay <laughs> Please, uh, I, I, I want to know what you. I, oh, I want to yeah. know what you thought because you don't know any no, of this no. game yeah. bullshit. But I'll let Sam continue her thoughts. Yeah. But first, I want to bring this up because what? It just sounded funny. Like I'll let, but first. Never well, mind. no, I just have a, a quick comment to make. Yeah, this is a really good beer. Okay, good. I'm glad. Um, so, <laughs> so at the end, we find out that Simon Pegg was playing. The character of the um, curator, curator, yeah, mm-hmm. but he's always there, and he always has to be there. So, I was under the impression that that was just like an automated character of some kind. He, he just kind of like dips in and out whenever he feels like. No, no, it can't be whenever he feels like it though. It's whenever anyone arrives. So he has to be seriously on call at all times in case anyone is ever going to show up. So here's... Yes. What the fuck? Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Simon Pegg is actually running an underground society. He's got about like a hundred people that kind of believe in his cause, which is to keep the Oasis pure, right? So it doesn't. if he takes like a sleeping shift, then somebody <laughs> else... What is a sleeping shift? Oh, I don't no, know. I'm, Fucking sound it out. Sleeping I'm, shift. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> ask what it is. I was laughing at you saying sleeping shift. So that's that's what I think. Okay. No, it's just it's just it silliness is, in the film's logic. Much, yeah. It's okay. So. I'm sorry. Which, so I just no, wanted to get that okay. out. That actually goes into something. Oh, you were going to rip over... on the sleeping shifts in this movie? No, no, oh. not that part. The other okay. part that you said. Okay. Um, <laughs> the smart part. <laughs> Um, something about the logic in this movie, I, I don't know. I think there are other sci-fi and fantasy films that better immerse you into their worlds and their logic. Um, and, and the first one that comes to mind is like Lord of the Rings, because you get so perfectly placed into that world that you don't. At least when I was watching it, I didn't have really any questions about, okay, this wizard shows up at a hobbit's door. All right, I guess we're doing something. Or I'll I'll even say fireworks in his his carriage. (laughs) I'll even say, to counterpoint, I have questions, but I also feel like that it's mostly when I asked myself something when I first saw the hobbits. I'm like, oh, okay, this must be part of the expanded mythology that this film just can't even compensate for because Mm -hmm. it's already filling me in on everything else. Exactly. And so 
that was something that I was meh about with the film. Um, I think the other major point that I wanted to make about the overall view of this film is, I don't know, I felt very much like it was too Disneyified, if that's a word. Um, it is it, now. It just felt very... Um, I felt like I was just watching like a conglomerate of various like Disney films that were trying so desperately to like be better than like, you know, anything ever before. And like they threw Pixar. But give people exactly what they want, which is the same, but which different. all the 80s yeah. stuff. Yeah. And to speak to an earlier point, you had said, Toussaint, about like people like trying to revel in like the 80s and 90s recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Actually, in some of the writing courses I've been in currently, like the writing workshops, there have been so many people that have focused on that time period for their pieces. That's a, that's, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a little overwhelming and but to me why? personally. Yeah, just, that's just, something just else. Like to, I want to know why so desperately they're clinging to it. Um, but that's a totally different topic yeah. anyway. Um, but I think something uh, that Disney sense of the film really – not that I don't like Disney. I love Disney films. They're they're lovely. They're very simplistic um, and archetypal. Yes. Um, and I think I... Knowing the context for the film, I think it could have done so much more with that topic. Um, and I thought of many other references and things like that, aside from those references. But um, I had read a book um, called... Oh, shoot. What is it? Um... Air apparent, uh, no. Actually, air apparent. Um, I read Heir that. Apparent by yeah. Vivian Vandy Veldi. Yeah. Um, I had read that. I, I thought of that book and, when I and I thought about that because she gets stuck in the virtual reality world. Yeah. And she has to fight her way out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I really appreciated that book because there were some nuances about it. You know, like she actually had to. The stakes fight. in that book make complete sense. Yeah. Whereas here, I didn't get a sense I'm just of like, stakes. Well, they could just stop playing. You know what right. I. Like, I really hate. No one's forcing them. To no, do. but mm-hmm. like I, I would sort of argue with that, and, and it kind of ties into sort of what my frustration with the ending is. It's like it's not that somebody's f- forcing them to play this; it's that their reality is so fucking depressing that now they're just like funneling. But we don't all... see enough of that reality. I, exactly, and I, we that's don't, the thing. We don't see. Enough, I know, but that's what they're we, suggesting. We, we don't see enough of that reality, and what we do see of that reality looks like shit. What I am frustrated by is like the ending for this is that basically Parzival's clan like divvies up whatever. Not a clan. He doesn't clan, man. I don't give a fuck. High I don't five. give a fuck. Yeah, it's a high five. Whatever. Like hmm. he divvies up across his high five all, all the different parts <laughs> of this fucking company. And instead of like actually using the resources of said company to have a material effect on the world so that perhaps – it for their own benefit. For perhaps people would not have to – rely so much on the actual oasis instead their 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 little band-aid solution is like okay no no playing on tuesdays and thursdays have fun y'all i'm just like <laughs> but i i literally i literally live in in the stacks i, I live in the right not all stacks. of us are trillionaires like you I, I can't right yeah parcel yeah. Which... but here's the thing his shitty world seems to be mostly due to the people around him like 
first of all, what is it? He he lives with his sister. He lives with his his aunt, his aunt, and, okay. and her new boyfriend, who's the guy from The Witch. So that was weird. Really? Yeah. Weird. The guy who gets fucking pale in pale father, by the Black Phillip. Game of Thrones. He, he, yeah. he, he goes from uh, just being a a, a virulent um, uh, ludite. And 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 fundamental Christian to being this guy who's in a VR suit. Yeah, who, who apparently is spending like their rent money on games no, in there. like put up their house for so like the <laughs> yeah. deed of their house. Like it was some yeah. serious so like shitty house. This yeah, is, this is but still. addiction. I don't like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. But kind of speaking yeah. to this conversation, actually, that Please was do. Um, a, a minor thing that I had some trouble with of understanding more about that reality that exists outside the, the virtual one. Um, and I think if we maybe saw a little bit more building as to what is going on there in that real world, I could better understand why there's such a desire to achieve and and find the egg and the eggs and things like that. I think there would be a greater sense of of stakes and a greater sense of why I should care about this. Um, I mean, there there were moments in it when I really appreciated it and it it actually made me laugh and I was like, this is this is nice. This is cool. Um, and I enjoyed myself while watching it. Um, so that was something, it wasn't like an entire waste of, you know, two and a half hours. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm fine having seen it once. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if you agree with me, Alex, but I will admit, even if I have negative feelings about this movie, I'm glad that at least possibly my only viewing was on the IMAX screen because, I do think Spielberg creates a world, even if I think it's uh, perfunctory and uh, just kind of ridiculous, that does kind of be begged to uh, be seen on a projected screen larger than life. Yeah, the I mean, there were so many individual scenes here that benefited from a large yeah. format like that. Uh, specifically, the scene in the nightclub when they're dancing through yes. the... Um, that was just fantastic in a large so format. The shining scene was great uh, for that. Cool. Let's talk about it. Well, let's, well, let's let Alex. Alex. I'm sorry. Yes, go. Come on, to We'll come back to it. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to talk about that shining scene. We're all going to talk about that. But uh, I, I would agree. I got to go, though, so I'll see you later. Thanks, bud. I would probably agree with you, though, Nick, uh, for what you're saying. Um, I, I think seeing this particular film, and actually I thought the sound editing here was actually pretty good, to be honest with you. So I think seeing this in a in a large format theater or just a movie theater in general is probably the best way to to mm-hmm. see it, as opposed to seeing it at home and being like, "Ugh, I'm going to turn this off after 20 minutes." Right. So overall feelings on uh, Ready Player One is underwhelmed. Um, I was not that excited for it. We haven't really talked about the bizarre promotional uh, material for this film, but they released like eight or nine posters about three weeks before this film's release that were just poorly photoshopped yeah into like pre-existing posters which yeah. i think was deliberate and yeah. i and i feel like i don't know are, are they leaning entirely into the fact that it's shit is that is is that what they're that's the that problem strategy is, not based yeah. on the reactions that i saw from us people no, well, that's mm. follow some interesting people then. Yeah. Well, not people I like. 
So at any rate, I, I was very concerned about this because I already had my doubts. And then after all that, I was like, oh, boy, they're really reaching here for anything that could get people to lean towards the theater. And, I mean, that's funny looking back on it because the references that were in the posters yeah. aren't even close to sniffing. I mean, I guess we see Beetlejuice once. Yeah, Do we but ever get a there's nothing, Blade Runner glimpse? There's the nothing for one. Blade Runner. Yeah. Nope, they're living it. <laughs> there's nothing for Blade Runner. There's nothing for Risky Business. Yeah, I mean, I um, wouldn't have even expected that. So the I idea know, that they it, went with that was... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, why couldn't they have at least... Like, no matter how stupid it would have been, why couldn't they have at least gone with what was referenced? Like, Buckaroo Banzai poster. Or, like, just at least prove that you're trying to create a... Because I think the, the whole... It, canon of this particular universe's whatever. To lore. me... The whole thing with the posters was a desperation oh, to try to sure. just pull people in the theater yeah. any way they could. But, it actually reminded me a lot of the Terminator Genesis, uh, which is a really bad thing to be ever reminded of that. Uh, the Terminator Genesis final trailer that got released like two weeks before. Where the, they showed off the entire like main like, Yeah, where they showed twist. the big reveal of the uh, film. Um, you and fucking it was, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it, it just seemed like a desperation Hail Mary to Please try to go get pe- see this yeah. movie. <laughs> Please go see this movie. I still love Look that. at my posters. <laughs> Please go see the movie. I, I still love that for Film Tank. Uh, you and Kenny had to go see Terminator Genesis. And you guys got to see Magic Mike. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> my favorite movie of that year. Man. Oh, yeah. Dodge the bullet. Terminator Genesis was my least favorite movie of the year. So <laughs> yeah. it was a That's very... actually creepy. <laughs> Anyway. When, when you're talking about the canon of this film's, like I, I say that loosely. I'm not trying to. No, I no, I, I see. I, 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 see I see what you're saying is like, but but the thing is, is like this film's canon. The canon of this universe is whatever is your canon. It's all it's all your nerd shit that you Don't like. Give me that. Yeah. No, that's that's what it. That, that's that's what that's the whole appeal behind that whole promotional process. That's the entire appeal of like why the the specific references that are made in this film are even made. Like that's it, it's aiming at this this sort of like mono myth, this this sort of monoculture of of nerddom. So what I will say though, uh, just as an overall thought, is that I feel like. The, the problem with this film is this film offers nothing other than its pop culture references. Yep. I agree. Um, uh, and, and that... I disagree. Okay. That's fine. But with a, like a million caveats. <laughs> so don't really take that really at... Listen yeah. yeah. Like, I'll expand on that later. Okay. Um, mainly why I say that is yeah. because... Every time that I felt like there wasn't pop culture references happening, I just found myself just sitting waiting for the next one to appear. Yeah, I can see that. And there was never a Like, real... they're their own worst enemy, so to speak. Yes, yeah. because there was never a moment for me when I was just taken out of, oh, this is the pop culture movie, so I'm just going to wait for the next time when... We're going to have a lot of random references here, like Marvin the Martian and the Vatican. Um, so, because, <laughs> you know, they were we just... We have a new Martian. <laughs> I was going to say, they were just sitting in the office like, you know, people are going to really go crazy when we show the Vatican. Um, so... Uh, I, I don't even remember the Vatican <laughs> being it. No, I'm dead serious. I don't remember What are you talking either? about? It's in the final scene when he, okay. uh, when they, he gets 
deliver the contract and like he sees the egg above it and they are in the Vatican. That is supposed to be the Vatican? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thought it looked familiar, really? but I Yep, that's wasn't... fucked. I thought that was just yeah. like a no general treasure room. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was just a general treasure That's room. It looked creepy, familiar, man. but I was like, maybe I've just seen it in like some other right. like no, game I, or something. S- some people uh, have a hard time falling asleep on Christmas Eve, so they put on <laughs> midnight mass to fall to sleep. So I've oh. seen the Vatican a lot of times. Oh, by oh. some people, you mean you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Nick. <laughs> So in some of the other references here, the, it fell into a, a problem for me that um, there just was... Every video game in Re- Ready Player One explained by author Ernest Klein. Sorry. No. I, I'm Googling things right now. I can't, so, I'm, I can't imagine. Do, we're we're a, not going to do that. I'm not going to do no. that. Can I, can I, no. Can I just... Yeah. If, 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 you could, if, you, if you could. Yes, please. Okay. So, um, A... There were not nearly enough references that weren't blatantly shown in the trailer to mm-hmm. make this pe- this film appealing for me. Mm. With my previous uh, comment that there just wasn't really anything here when it got away from the references. Mm-hmm. It was just a really run-of-the-mill, silly, boring story that was uh, hell-bent on having this large enormous just endless final scene uh that just made me feel like the film was almost over then i looked at my watch and i'm like oh god there's still an hour and 10 minutes left you have to look at your watch mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's almost like the time we watched man of steel and we're like oh let's check the timer we've got to be like an hour and a half in and it's been like 40 minutes and we're like no yeah there's still another 95 minutes of this that sounds horrible yeah um but at the same time, there were a few things here that were good, mainly performances. Ben Mendelsohn was very good. I really liked Mark Rylance's portrayal of uh, Halliday, mm. uh, and I, I, I do think he is a autistic Garth Elgar. But at the same time, um, I think he's still putting on a really good performance. Yeah. But I'll, I'll leave my opening remarks with this, that this film has great ideas that get Spielberged a little bit because I get the feel sometimes that he has a lot of great ideas, but he has those great ideas and people always buy them and just shake their head. Yes, because he's a great director. He but just they never it's more the time worn, like proven formula, but of... they never get expanded upon. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my opinion. And I will, it, it's such a small thing, but it bothered me so much because it had such an interesting build up to it, but its delivery was the like biggest letdown ever. And that was I second that. Uh, and and there's a lot of things like them, but there was a specific thing that I'm going to mention, and that was the Zemeckis cube uh, <laughs> that he acquires. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think he's going to use it, and it's. I was actually expecting it to be this awesome thing that encompassed multiple Robert no, Zemeckis. Because Zemeckis film. invented time travel. Okay. No, didn't so, make a fucking Rubik's Cube either. <laughs> I was expecting multiple Robert Zemeckis films to get somehow intertwined with what happened with I this wish. Rubik's First Cube. First of all, Back in the Future ain't even his best film. Watch Contact. Contact is a good movie. Yeah. I really liked it. But instead, we have this really lame, oh, we just went back in time 60 seconds. And again, we're getting to the logic of this. Uh, everyone else goes back in time, but apparently anyone who's in like a 10-foot radius of him doesn't. Ah, 
I yep. just that was I, hard to believe. I right? just hated it because you had something that was kind of a cool idea and you made it stupid. Also, why don't you ever say your name? Like I get because they could find you out there. But hold on here, and then they can um, have. But I'm never leverage over you. Okay, <laughs> I may not be a gamer, but I am an online person, mm-hmm. and I am. Mm-hmm online, so to speak, in right. communities in which I'm using a screen name. Mm-hmm. And yet, while it's true when I communicate with the community at large, I'm just doing it under my my screen name, but I frequently uh, tell people my real name, I'm not frequently in a disturbing way. <laughs> my <laughs> also, name is Nick. <laughs> here's my social security number. No, but we literally had a guest on this podcast that I would have only met <laughs> had I... You know, uh, because of the fact that I met someone online and told them who I was and vice versa. So the idea that the Oasis is this, like, what I don't understand, though, I'll say this. The real world world is supposed to be so scary, but if the Oasis is such a beautiful place, why is there still this weird authoritarian nightmare going on where people are saying, don't say your name, when, in my opinion, the threats that are in the Oasis, I'm not saying they're not there, Mm -hmm. are in no way impending anybody. All they're trying to do is win a fucking contest. They're like in no way, not like they're going around capping people for their coins. It's, um, I think that is... It was really creepy. That's a good point because I feel like it's a layover to sort of that pre-millennial shift in internet culture where you're just like, you're not supposed to tell people your real name. Right, like that feels like a line from 2001 when AIM is booming Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're all trying to figure this whole mess out. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I know people who no, I know multiple people who have gotten married, and I mean not from dating sites, from but from just meeting Media. on the internet mm-hmm. through in other channels, like right? In, like, so, like because that posts. is so commonplace, how the fuck in 2045 is that like the worst case scenario? Well, well after the, the bandwidth wars. Oh god, that was a line too. The other thing is too is that these people all become friends, and hey, yeah. after they uh, get together in the real world, they win this contest and become all very successful, high fiving people. So you know, hey. yeah. Anyways, my my overall feel is that this film is is feels. pretty lame. Yeah. yeah, there was only one reference where I sort of like gave myself over to the involuntary glee of seeing a reference. Yeah. And that was um, during the whole final, very long final fight with uh, whatever his name, Ben Mendelsohn's like yeah. Mecha Godzilla character and stuff, right? And you got I the like one- how someone has to say Mecha Godzilla, yeah. And then you, you got you get the, the target audience for this movie. You, you got the one Asian samurai character who comes in on the Firefly, and I don't give a shit about the Firefly. But then he just like morphs into a fucking Gundam. I'm like. Fuck yes, I need me a Gundam movie! <laughs> Gundam! Fuck yeah! And it was a good-looking Gundam, too, and I'm just like, holy shit, I want me a Gundam movie with these designs! And well, you got so lost and, in that and, that you forget, like, what else is going on in the movie. Right, I don't, like, give, I, don't, I don't give a... I don't care about I don't, anything else. Th- that's what this film is for. It's like you're supposed to find your one reference and then just zones out and nothing else matters. And somebody said it was fucking Ultraman. It's like, no, that's the Gundam... RX seventy eight two. I don't even fucking like Gundam, and that's a fucking dope Gundam. Yeah, that's a perfect segue to something completely not related. Please. <laughs> um, one of my favorite sequences in this movie is also one that I think is one of 
the sequences that is very indicative of the movie's problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally ready to take it to task. Ready, player one, to task. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the Shining. So I think it's time we we uh, uh, we yeah. travel there. All right. I want to get one thing out of the way before I even give in, get into my general thoughts on that. But the idea that this movie is where his clue lies even though the main character says The Shining, oh, that's his 11th favorite horror film. I don't know why, but that line fucking pissed me off because why would that be something that he's so indebted to? What that the fuck is before The Shining? <laughs> well, that, whatever. It better fine. be a thing. There's only one thing. But n n not even in your top ten, like why did he leave a clue in his quote-unquote 11th favorite horror film? Anyway, that's a stupid thing. I don't really care. But... The Shining sequence as a whole is it, it worked. I, I would say the the sequence was twofold for me. On the one hand, it worked as a reference uh, because it was the first time where I felt something was not being referenced, but it was being explored. And I don't mean that literally in the, in the sense that they got to walk through the Overlook, but uh, the characters had a relationship to the artifact that was on screen, and that made all the difference for me at least. Um, Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast, you probably know that The Shining is like one of my top five or so favorite films of all time. So I'm a little biased, and it's probably the only property in this entire movie. That you gave a fuck about. Right. So I'm a little biased when it comes to that. But The Shining is also where this movie introduces its best ideas and also fails to actually go after them. Which is, if this movie was not about... Uh, the Ben Mendelsohn corporate takeover of, you know, this oasis. And I like Ben Mendelsohn in this movie, but if it lacked that plot and it was actually about a group of people digesting and dissecting pop culture as what it means to them, if anything at all, through the lens of what it means to the people in pop culture of who do they idolize, then... I would totally probably eat this movie up. Like it could have flaws, but I would still applaud it. Uh, and That's this an is infinitely more interesting premise than than anything agreed. that we've and talked about. I think about. this yeah. sequence almost does it. Like it, yeah. for the most part, from start to finish, even if it's cheeky, uh, it pretty much shows a glimpse of a much more interesting story as they, you know, go around the Overlook and they see how. In his head, I mean, I can't tell you how many things in my mind mm. uh, of movies I like, of songs I like, are inexplicably tied up into memories that I may yeah. never want to remember or memories that I love and cherish. And that scene is not in the book, by the way. It's, it's, and I could totally kind right. of see that because yeah. that seems like Spielberg making sure that Halliday is slightly more, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say humanized, but... Slightly more front and center. Can we talk about that for a second while you're on the whole Halliday humanizing? Are we thing? going like sidestepping to Halliday himself? Do you mind? I, I don't mind, but I guess it would. Okay, no. Because we can come back to the shiny. Okay, thing. let's come back to the shiny. Okay, because let's bookmark this. Okay, let's bookmark it. So here's the thing. Um, to me, uh, this film is trying to say that Halliday fired his best friend because he married the girl that he liked. Yeah, so there's a lot of things about Halliday that I have opinions on, mm -hmm. that being one of them. 
but there's something that bothers me more than that. But mm-hmm. I, and I kind of already mentioned it to you. But I'll say on that note, mm-hmm. what you're talking about, I, I don't think the film suggests that so much as the film is so poorly written, it doesn't realize that the lack and the absence of good writing automatically implies that. You know I, what I mean? Like, no, I, I'm I'm in agreement. So with you. I, I'm with you <laughs> because the the that. problem is is that I was thinking it doesn't that fill that's in not... all the blanks it needs to fill. No, but that's the problem. Is that's yeah. where my mind went? Is I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. So Simon Pegg married the girl he wanted to go on a right. date with, and he then goes he on no, he goes on him. one date, right? And it, I guess it. So it's an okay date, but he of course doesn't have the guts to do what he wants to do, mm-hmm. and which appara- also also is also, weird. But that's well, okay. that part doesn't bother me. Okay. What bothers me is that apparently the girl just ghosts him. <laughs> like, oh, that day you were perfectly pleasant, but you didn't kiss me, so I never speak to you again. Like, and, and if it was a real connection, that that troubles me. And yeah. frankly, Halliday could do better if that was like the real case. But then um, she marries his right. best friend, and then he dumps him out of their multi-trillion-dollar company. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's just such a it's weird a aspect. Weird. It is. It is. Like, is he, especially because the film also dabbles in the idea that I think Peg was at least more open to making it uh, slightly more monetized and corporate. Not in the same way Mendelssohn wanted to, but trying to like improve it, so to speak. So it's kind of like, wait, what, why did he fire him? Was it because? And I know you can say it's a culmination of these things, but the movie does not uh, have enough yeah. there for that kind of thing. I'll say this about Halliday, as to what you're saying. One thing that I disliked is that for a movie based around gamer culture, it is almost like uncomfortably uh, attacking the most stereotypical version of a gamer in which it says that this idol that they look up to was unfortunately the purest gamer of all, the one who could not kiss a girl. Like the idea that that is his biggest shortcoming is very uh, cringeworthy to me. Not because there are people in this world that you know can't do that or, yeah. or cannot get over social anxiety or anything right. like that, but it uh, it conflates the idea of gaming with that, that. Yeah. and so that that like for that for him to be the figurehead and for that to be the thing he's most hung up on. Um, it's uncomfortable because of the fact that the end of the movie doesn't resolve that problem. Not yeah. that it, not that it has to like worth like him going out and finding the girl he likes or something like that. No, it just has him wandering but, off with the younger version and signing of over his company. Like, yeah, like it's like he's upset about a, but he's right. He's only concerned about B, and that that those that cognitive dissonance there makes no sense, especially when Ty Sheridan at the end literally takes Olivia Cooks into his arm and says, "I'm no Halliday." So, what is he a hero or a person you never want to be? Uh, and for, and for my dumb. money, this movie does not think of him as a as anything but a hero, mm. and yet it has its own character basically say, "Well, he's kind of a fucking pussy, to be honest." <laughs> like, I'm being crude, but that's kind of what that whole thing suggests. Mm. Um, back to the Shining. Back to the Shining. Certainly, this is the sequence in which we dive a little bit into Halliday, and we see, um, you know, the ballroom dance scene, which was a little perfunctory. <laughs> um, 
in the way that... like a haunted mansion ride. Yeah. Like I like I went to fucking Disney World. It was like a fucking haunted mansion. It was less you know gaming and it was way more just uh like you just said uh you know a ride that you know you you go through. A haunted mansion even too like in the sense or like one of the like Halloween walkthroughs that you go through, like with the zombies yeah. popping mm-hmm. out and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I I felt like I was just in one of those things, and I wasn't necessarily like in The Shining again or anything like that. Absolutely, and I'll admit the reworkings of some of the most iconic scenes from that movie, from the elevators to Room Two Thirty Seven. Uh, for the most part, they worked for me. Like they were silly; they were in no way intelligent or anything like that, but. If you're going to reference things, at least reference them with uh, a little bit of time and effort. Because I will admit, I thought the the photography was pretty spectacular. Because uh, clearly, those were the real scenes with the CGI characters. You know, like that was kind when they were of walking down the staircase. I was yeah. very impressed like, with that. Holy that shit! That was probably not on the same level, but that was the closest thing I've seen to something like what I assume audience felt when they saw who framed Roger Rabbit in, you know, in 1980, whatever, it which is the same that, layer of film grain. Too, right. Like, where I've seen something that I haven't quite seen somebody done before. And yet certainly we've gotten like Forrest Gump and all that kind of thing, but where we really took another film property and we have the materials at our disposal and we're able to mix that with our own creations in a way that doesn't interrupt the flow of what we're seeing, but yet does feel organic to what our characters journeys are. Uh, in this day and age, by the way, yeah. I was very happy with this film's restraint because I was extraordinarily uh, concerned that there was going to be a younger CGI Jack Nicholson <laughs> sneaking his <laughs> Actually, face yeah. through the, oh, yeah. saying, the one, the, Johnny, the one was, restraint. Yeah. Well, no, and, well you I, know I, me, and I hate that fucking Marvel and yeah, everybody who's no, going I, to that well. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you where I was like, okay, I guess that's going to happen. But and no, it didn't. Nope, it did uh, not. And that was... Which is actually Good. what made it more believable that it was yeah. a video game level and not like a cut scene that, you know, mm-hmm. extended itself. So, um, but what did, I'm just curious, did you guys think that, because that's really the only time the movie actually settles into a reference. Did you guys think that that was overindulgent or that that was... I, I, I wanted there to be more of that, to be totally honest with yeah. you. I mean, I, I, I feel like this film that, that really lacked uh, in in strong plot mechanics could have really just benefited by fully embracing what people came to the theater to see. Um, <clears throat> and the, the biggest problem is you have, and the, it's some, the kind of thing you can't get from a trailer either. No, like you can put it in the material, but you still don't get that yeah. experience. It feels no. like a scene borrowed from your version of what this film should have been, Nick. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. wish I could have watched that film instead. But, but the idea of, of having like a full scene from, like, instead of the chase scene, which I actually quite enjoyed the opening chase scene, I actually thought that was, for the most part, fun to watch and had good cuts throughout it. But if, like, that scene could have been <clears throat> uh, instead taken place in, like, the chase scene in Back to the Future 2 where they're, you know, flying through there or whatever. I mean, yeah. just something like that. Uh, and, and well, the really long one from The Matrix. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that, that's... Uh, boy. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, is it Reloaded or Revolution? It's Reloaded. Yeah, reloaded. That's yeah, there you go. I was gonna say Matrix Revolutions. So let's just keep that one over there. Yeah. Um, but you know, like let's just embrace that kind of because that's really what people. Isn't that who the whole point ex- of the contest? 
Yeah, like they keep saying that over and over that they're trying to explore his pop culture phenomenon to find the clues to. But we really don't, the, we really out don't out of the time three, for the Shining, yeah, and and I guess Adventurer, but we only have time for his eleventh favorite horror film, yeah, mm-hmm. and Adventurer. But but again, I, I'm not really into like old timey video games. Can I so. ask Susan a quick question? Sure, really quick. Mm-hmm. I know the whole entire Atari sequence mm-hmm. certainly does this, but besides that sequence, are there? Do you remember? Because I just generally don't know if I just missed them or not. Mm-hmm. Do you remember other video game references? Other things that were not referencing movies, TV, music. Weren't the soldiers from Halo in the okay. final season? Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm just trying to gather in my mind. Cause Tracer from Overwatch was very present as well. Okay. Was Chun Li and that's a true. bunch of others. Right. I just wanted to make sure I didn't battle toads only because there. I just couldn't believe that there wasn't more video game references. Like if I you're agree. in a gaming world, literally Far Cry Five just dropped. You know, last week, mm-hmm. and they have a new arcade mode where you can edit your own levels, mm-hmm. and within 24 hours. The most popular thing on the servers were people recreating maps from Call of Duty 2 mm-hmm. and Fortnite and other things. And it's like, yeah. this is how gamers speak. And I don't mean that in a pejorative no, That's no. the truth. Like they so just... it's like, how is there, like, but they're not as obsessed with Buckaroo Banzai as they are with Heavy Rain or just something fucking stupid. Oh, <laughs> my God. In a world where people are. Jesus Christ! We're, 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 where heavy rain is compared to, to fucking Buckaroo Banzai is just profane to me. I just—I I, <laughs> I don't I, mean that in quality. Though. I know, I know. I'm just, just saying, yeah. like, I would understand that reference in this film, yeah, more than I would understand someone. Oh my God! Twenty forty-five. If, if there was heavy rain in in this movie with the scene where his kid gets run over, Jason. <laughs> Fuck yes! I will show it to Alex later. He doesn't for anybody okay. I have no idea who doesn't know, Heavy yeah. Rain yeah. is a game for the Sony PS3 console uh, in which it was probably, I guess not the first, mm-hmm. but certainly one of the leading predis- not pred- I don't know, what do you want to call it? Forebears of the interactive storytelling it's one trend of, that we're in currently. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those, and it's sort of like a murder mystery where you have to find where a killer like or something. You're playing a game, but you're so much a, living a story where you just make choices and oh. you know go about your whatever. So, so there's many different paths you can take. Uh, it's really like, that's a, actually it's like an interactive movie. movie. Yeah. Or the yeah. game has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say, uh, first of all, speaking of heavy rain, I, I was thinking the other day, like, imagine people, like, playing Pong, right? Yeah. Like, back in the 80s, going, like, man, video games one day are going to be fucking insane. And then, like, <laughs> flash-forwarding to uh, an era which we're currently in, in which, oh, press X really fast to lift up a door. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, yes! Holy shit. Holy shit. We have gone nowhere and <laughs> we, everywhere. We have gone nowhere fast. <laughs> so, anyway. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. We God. wasted it. We wasted it. <laughs> like, yeah, these grappers are cool, but I got fucking carpal tunnel. <laughs> At the end of the day, Steven Spielberg was probably the wrong person to make this film. Like, Edgar Wright should have made this, right? He did. He he made Scott Pilgrim. I know, but... No, but I'm like, literally, yeah. like, what else would he... This is, um... Yeah. Like, what Edgar Wright did in Scott Pilgrim is the palatable version of this, because Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. is not doing that much different from what this is doing. You know, Scott Pilgrim goes to take a piss, 
and the Zelda Fairy Fountain theme is playing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a gamer, but A, I got that reference the very first time I saw that movie. Right. I got tickled by that reference <laughs> the very first time and all fun. subsequent yeah. times right. I've right. seen that movie. Yeah. And also, if you just fucking think about that that reference is hilarious in and of itself that the fairy fountain theme is going to play while someone's taking a piss yeah. like those are like I, like it's so simple to do a reference that mm-hmm. actually has a a life of its own and 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 that's what Edgar Wright does throughout the entire not to mention uh Steven Spielberg stole the uh people dissolving in the coins from uh, like, I wouldn't say stole, but you know, Edgar Wright it feels already like it's, did it's, it. It's just airlifted, so, aped it, from like Scott Pilgrim. And the, and one of the main differences between this is like you have Edgar Wright strikes me as a person who is conversant in those sort of references. Yep. Steven Spielberg, I like Steven Spielberg a lot. He's tried to like make video games in the past before, but it just feels like. An entirely foreign concept to him. I'm sure he might play a game maybe once in a while, but he doesn't seem like. And I'm not trying to like like. Do you I'm, even I'm, game, I'm not, Steve? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to gatekeep or anything like that. But it's just like the reason why he was chosen is not because he's he's avid in in all these this pop cultural fluff. It's because his films kind of hardware you pack are Steve? part of are, are are part of sort of the gestalt or the 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 foundation mm-hmm. for which. Ready Player One's alternates, not so alternates, like pop culture, like universe was built on. So he seems like the right person to pick for that. But also another difference is that at least Scott Pilgrim, for all of its 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 very obvious nods to to video game culture, and that at least it had like something of a of a core skeleton of a story, which was basically this guy who is dating this girl, and he has to like move through this baggage and stop being such a little shit. Here's the thing about Scott Pilgrim versus Ready Player One, which is, on, on the one hand, they're very different movies. On the other hand, Edgar Wright making uh, Brian, Brian O'Malley. Yeah, Brian O'Malley. Brian O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. into a movie. I feel like Edgar Wright made the movie adaptation because he read uh, Scott Pilgrim yeah. and realized that he and Brian O'Malley grew up on the same shit. Yeah. Which is not to say... That they grew up on everything, but they definitely played Final Fantasy. They definitely played Zelda. They, like it, it is that particular uh, half circle of the Venn diagram. They're they, generationally they right. they uh, of a generation that is in sync. Steven yes. Spielberg, I feel like, has not had the same relationship at all with the with a lot of these properties that Ernest Cline has. You know, like I'm watching this movie and I'm like, "Have you even blown a cartridge, Steve? Like, where are your credentials? Have you even blown a cartridge? Do you, do you even vape, bro? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say uh, this was a reference that I got a kick out of, but I know Nick for the most part <laughs> groaned at. I mean, to be fair, there was a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least me groaning. Um, so one of the stupidest parts of, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day is with Arnold, uh, dissolving into the, uh, the lava and putting his thumb, thumb up. Fuck that. And they decide to throw that in here with the with Iron, the Iron giant. giant. And that was so out of place. And Super I just, oh man, that was awesome. How about the fact <laughs> that the Iron Giant, and I know I'm not the first person to say this, but the entire movie of the Iron Giant is 
a call for passive uh, pacifism in the wake of technological advancement in which the iron fucking giant has the line i am not a gun mhm so a character loves the iron giant so much that he wants him to be the fucking war she- machine Ooh, it, it just yeah i like it yeah yeah that was good yeah no that was uh no that was that was weird Um, <laughs> this movie's bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say this. Uh, now, this was... Well, uh, like Ready Player None, because I ain't having none of this shit. None of this shit. Uh, yeah, I, sir. I will say that this did get a little bit of a weird Mission Impossible ripoff in here on it. But, oh, man, one of the most annoying parts of this film is when they bring Ben Mendelsohn back, and they he thinks he's in the real world, but he gets uh, inception that he's not <laughs> in the real world. One. He's actually still in the Oasis. And thankfully, they had two computer screens on that desk. Here's the fucking problem. That, not only that, but then they are just like, well, actually, he's still in the Oasis, and Wait, we're still what? in the Oasis. Yeah, I know. Explain it again. Okay. Goddamn fucking Spielberg. Can I just say... You idiots out there couldn't figure out dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, so here, let me tell you what's going on. (laughs) We're 149 episodes into this podcast, right? 148. 148 episodes into this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Have I ever... I I want you to be honest. Mm Mm-hmm. Have I ever really made a big deal about what I would consider plot holes? Like, has that been a thing that no, I... No, you've right. never really done okay. that, no. I'm going to do it right now. Okay. In oh, one, I think you deserve one. In episode 148, because I audibly, like, convulsed my body like this. I think Alex will uh, attest to that. <laughs> that there's something in this movie that irks me a lot, just because it's so puerile and stupid. Mm-hmm. Which is when Olivia Cook's uh, character is captured and she's in the slave, you know, mm-hmm. chamber and she has to do all the whatever. Okay, so when they're giving her instructions on how to escape, their instructions are: put your hands up, <laughs> move the thing up. Now, you see that lever that says pull to the left? Pull that to the left. So, like, that's the only way that, or not the only, like, that's the way that they can escape this. Okay. If that's the way they can escape, if you're just bored prior to going into, right. like, that virtual reality, before you like, get, like, zapped into very... that world, I don't know about you guys, but I would be trying to find every right. nook and cranny in that little cube and he... that I could, like, rip apart so I can try to get out. Exactly. And there are literally handles ready to, like, yeah. service you and tell you where to look. Now, here's the thing. If that wasn't bad enough, the next scene, when they revisit that, the scene of the crime, Ben Mendelsohn has to ask that one person. I forget who she is. Assistant. I don't know who she is. But, you know, the the person who is, I guess, in charge of, like, guns. You kill them yourself. Uh, He literally has to say, how did she escape? Prisoner 2751, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm raising my hands above my head. (laughs) That's like, yeah. what, What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Like, like, if they just had the, if they just had the 11 year old Asian, like, hack her cell, like, I'm being racist, but I would also think that would be more, yeah. I believe that would make more, more sense. Viable yeah. than, yeah. boy, oh. they really kept going to the well on that 11 year old thing. What? Oh too. my God. I'm that 11 was years so old. obnoxious. Yeah. Oh, dude, give me a hug. Did I do that? Yeah. 
I guess it was okay the first time, but yeah. like the sixth time? Yeah. 11 year olds don't hug. Do people not realize they that also like, don't play this, games? They don't hug. Here's the thing this world <laughs> is already, or at least the movie, is already stating that this world has completely just assumed everything. Right, and have gone into the oasis. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't they think that there are eleven year olds? I would be more creeped out <laughs> if there were no children in this universe. Hmm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they, like you said, if they're trying to escape their everyday lives. Right. Children, children are going to be are the growing up in the society right. where they and they're going to be better than everybody else anyway because they're, they're the fucking shit out of me. Like, yeah, I can play Majora's Mask like nobody else's business, but that doesn't mean I understand what the fuck is happening in <laughs> Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, right, yeah. Is that what it's called? Uh, Deus no, Ex. not Deus Ex Machina. It's a, Just Ex Machina? It's no. Deus Ex. Deus Ex. Yeah. I knew it was part of the phrase. No, I, I totally got it. I played that game for like one hour, and I was like, holy shit, I am the stupidest person on the planet, and then I gave it back. Well, I'm very proud of you that you <laughs> actually gave it an hour. All I imagine now is... The Fonz being in the Days Ex Machina. Hey! hey. hey. He's, he's on the battleground just like finger finger blasting at all the bad guys. Hey! And it's hey. actually lasers like, hey! Hey! Should I go hey. in stealth mode or should I just bust them all down? I don't know why the Fonz talks like that. Say, but. why does he sound like Roy Moore now? It's like, oh, yeah. Fonz, you just got hit with an RPG. How come you didn't, uh, how come you didn't die? It's like, oh, I hid up under this, uh, cabinet with all of my, uh, with all of my wallets. And I'm just like, how many wallets? Hey, man, I got a lot of wallets. <laughs> See, no, this sounds proves, like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. This proves right here that Ernest Klein is fucking full of shit. Yeah. Because nobody gets that many pop culture references right. Yeah. Lord. I mean, seriously, we had uh, we had the Fonz in about an eight second time period be both a racist uh, Alabama governor yeah. candidate and oh, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. It was amazing. I know. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If you want a good pop culture reference, watch the uh, music video for Weezer's Buddy Holly. Man, Dude, they yes. put the band in Happy Days. Mm-hmm. I don't see that shit happening in Ready Player One. No. This you don't see the Happy Days planet at all. This is when you drop the mic and walk away. I would, but it's on a stand. Uh-uh. Yeah. We don't want to break break these either. No. So. Oh, no. Lord. I'll drop those other ones that we're not using. No, yeah, those are shit. <laughs> so, uh, ratings? Ratings. Sure. sure. Okay. I guess I'll go first. And Please. We'll, we'll go okay. back around. So, all I'm right. going to give this a really low rating of just two out of five. Um, I enjoyed parts of this film and I really always try to find something to enjoy out of any film I see yeah. because I don't want to feel like I really completely wasted two hours parts of, of all. <laughs> 20 minutes of my life. But, um, other than sporadic moments and individual acting performances, uh, that were enjoyable, uh, specifically, uh, I love the scene where Ben Mendelsohn is explaining, like, well, maybe we could have silver coins or maybe even like bronze coins. And then you it's a just, good latte. Y- yes, yeah. uh, and he just good says, "Fred, you haven't mentioned that yet." That's like your favorite line. I know. And I just, I almost got a belly laugh out of yeah. me. So no, I thought that was great, especially because the previous mention of he only saw him as his intern who made him coffee. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, other than, than those moments throughout this film, and again, I, I did enjoy the opening chase scene where we see King Kong and, and the T-Rex and, and all that, and 
all the other little moments and uh, CGI effects that happened throughout the opening chase scene. Um, there just was not enough here. Which, to... why King Kong and not Donkey Kong? Because... And mean... why was the DK rap never once in uh, this movie? DK. Donkey Kong. Donkey. He's the first <laughs> member of the DK crew. <laughs> Mm. It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great I guess song. So. It's a chart topic. You know how many times uh, I that uh, you know that many version hours, apparently. You know how yeah. many hours I spent collecting those colored bananas. Did you actually? And I don't mean colored like you. Do no, though. did you actually get like the last coins at the end? No. Fuck that game. Yeah. Fuck that game. That's a bullshit game. Yeah. No, it's a great game. No. Continue. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I was gonna say at any rate, um, I I just I just could not fuck with this film. Um, <laughs> This. That's like a mean line. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and this was just not not done very well overall. And then there were individual scenes, again, as I mentioned, that were really, really good. Uh, the dance scene in the dance hall I mm-hmm. thought was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was more to it than just that. But <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Saturday Night Fever? Well, it was made in the 80s. <laughs> that's the, that, that's the punchline. To thank, every single joke. Thank, thank you, Tussaud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there just wasn't much else here. Uh, and plot-wise, I, I thought the ending to this film was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, specifically, the very final scene where they're like, look, everything's great. And we brought him on as a, as he's our, our person who we call. He only would take a quarter, though. And then we closed it on Tuesdays and Thursdays so we could all live our real lives. Because fuck video games. That's what the walk-off message we're going to have is. and uh, The yeah. irony, by the way, of what I just said is that Saturday Night Fever came out in 1977. So this oh. movie has no consistency whatsoever. Oh. Great. Everything is the 80s. Everything is awesome. So. <laughs> two out of five for me for uh, Ready Player One. It's better than the Cloverfield Paradox, but not by much. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Sam. Sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, I have very similar sentiments. Okay. Um, not... I tend to try and see whatever positivity there can be in um, in the film. Come on now. Um, just because I know people... I, I understand how much has been put into a film. Um, so, I like to see, you know, what's something that's been well done or things like that. Because I know that... This is ultimately ultimately an art um, that somebody somewhere thought was a good idea, um, and and I don't like shitting on people's ideas like that much. Um, but in addition to that, <laughs> but um, I'm gonna take my diaper off. <laughs> um, there's just something about this film that you know, while I enjoyed it, and I think you know, it's fine um i like i had mentioned earlier it's a one watch for me i i don't think i'll ever watch it again it's a ready um, player one watch yeah <laughs> um i there's just so many things about this film that really you're putting Tucson to sleep I'm no sorry. no it's not you it's the film okay that too yeah um that i just couldn't they didn't jive with how i perceive the film to be, let alone how I would have thought the story plot would have turned out. Um, 
and I don't know if I would be less or more upset um, if I had read the book prior. Because um, sometimes I'm one of those people I like to read the book before I watch the show or yeah. the movie, whatever. Um, but there's just a whole lot that doesn't work for me in this one. Um, and I didn't really think that the acting was anything phenomenal. Um, I've seen much better acting in, you know, sitcoms. Um, or even in, like, you know, cable shows and things like that. Um, and that was something that I... I think really kind of lacked in this film. Um, not that they aren't good actors in other ways, uh, but this just wasn't the their award-winning win- role. This is not um, material that actually brought out the best of their abilities of, correct. of everybody involved, including Ben Mendelsohn, even mm-hmm. though he was still able to like deliver some lines that were very memorable in their own part. Can we get some girls in here? Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so overall, um, I yeah. am going to um, second that rating and say that it is a two uh, out of five. Um, that's the number, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I thought about a four, and I was like, I don't want to give half. No, we're not giving that. No. Okay, good. <laughs> no, no. Um, it is two out of five for me. Um, so, yeah. Really quick, Tucson. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump right in for you because... She was, uh, Sam, sorry, was talking about uh, films and, and thought a lot that goes into them. And my mind just got jogged as uh, today the trailer was released for uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Have you been following along with the whole production nightmare of that film? I read it. I read about the nightmare production for that um, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and it was very fascinating. And then to just see that trailer, I'm like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "I would totally, man, I I would totally love to man. go see that if movie." If Terry I, Gilliam if hadn't had just, played his hand, if he had this year, if he hadn't just, <laughs> if he had just shut his fucking mouth. Just kept his fucking mouth shut. I could have gone and maybe enjoyed that movie. Well, you know how I feel. I know how you feel, and that was that was actually very hilarious. What you just said in the group chat. He hasn't made a good film this millennium. I thought you said this decade. Holy shit! Yeah, I pretty much feel like after Fear and Loathing. Like it's, yeah, I'm not really a Terry Gilliam fan. Like, and I say that as Brazil and Fear and Loathing. I really like. I like so both of those films. I definitely understand anybody who does like him. Mm-hmm. But when he's making his lesser works, I'm just completely turned off. No yeah. one gave a fuck about the Zero Theorem. Which is too bad. I, I remember when it. that script was, like, not leaked, but, like, the premise was leaked and the cast list was leaked. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, this could be, like, his next pick. Because it just sounded crazy and it sounded... Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, no, this is just a Terry Gilliam film. Terry Gilliam this is, this yeah. is just a Terry Gilliam so, film. Anyway. You know he was originally signed on to do a Harry Potter film? Yeah. So glad that didn't I'm happen. I'm really glad that didn't work. Yeah. Um, back to <laughs> yeah. Ready Player anyway, One. Uh, this film reminds me of not the Marvel films, but how I feel about the Marvel films. Mm. It feels like the apo- it feels like the apotheosis of the exhaustion that I feel every time I see a decade-long release date calendar for every single Mm -hmm. superhero film that's going to be coming out. I'm like, oh, I guess I just have to go see this film and this film and this film. It's another reference, and this one's going to reference this one. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to have Infinity War 2, and then it's going to reboot, and then we've got to do the other one. And that's that's, that's how I feel. I feel, I feel... 
I feel fucking exhausted by this film. I think that I I wish that Ready Player One had not been made a film. I wish that John Darnell's uh, Wolf and White Van was made into a film. Like for a, for like something that tackles like an idea of a video game and like having that come from him, I was like, I would rather have that. I still need to fucking read than, it. He gave that to me for my Yeah, it's like I would rather have that than I would have this because I just feel like this is Wait, so that has to do with a video game? Yeah, it has to do with a video That's game. That's crazy because every time I see the cover I'm like, Oh man, that looks like a game but yeah. I never actually thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Um but this this um this film is... really takes an arrow to the knee. Oh, man, that's another reference. Your references are out of control. It, the, the, this this film is, in many ways, a dark reflection of, 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 of a formulaic uh, infatuation with the surface details or the, the aesthetic of pop culture rather than with any of its substance, confusing one for the other. It's how you can have somebody try to make a ghost in the shell film and then say that it's international. And basically the entirety of that fucking film is just lifting scenes from the original film without any of their context whatsoever. Like this is that this is this, this, this is, this is that this is exactly what it's doing. It's just leaning entirely into that. And I just can't, I, I can't muster the energy to think about it anymore. Uh, it has, like what you said, like the with the shining moment is like that's an interesting moment that is otherwise dwarfed by all this other shit. Even like the Gundam thing, or whatever. I'm just like, oh, if the movie, I'm already knew, over that. <laughs> right. If the movie knew why the shining moment works, mm-hmm. it would be a better movie for it. Yeah, yeah. but it but it, I don't think it does. But it doesn't no. care because it's just a means to an end to get a magical key that's literally a fucking MacGuffin that you use in order to get <laughs> yeah. the egg, which is the it's MacGuffin. It's so interesting that we went this entire podcast and we really never talked about the ending. Like I, I find that funny. Not the, because I the w- climax or the denouement. No, like the I I'd say the, the I wouldn't call egg. it the denouement because it's really the when he's talking to Holiday. In yeah, the, like the whole oh, yeah. reason of this entire thing. Like I think it's kind of emblematic of this entire movie that that's one of the most important scenes in this entire film. Ooh, mm-hmm. Don't and touch that button. Never... You'll erase the the oasis. I hope you did. <laughs> But we did. never really touched on how we feel about that. Anyway, just I'm just pointing that out because really that's kind of... Are you an avatar or not? He just looks at him. <laughs> I thought that was mildly interesting because I was like, this guy seems like no, someone... No, that was shitty script writing. No, someone who who would be smart enough on his deathbed to maybe like make a flash <laughs> a flash clone of his of his... Brain activity in order to create like sort of some type of like entity within the game that is sort of self-aware, and really, <laughs> and really, that's sort of like damning yourself to like live perpetually in a it's, hell of it, your it's own. It's unfortunate making. that you didn't write the script, Tucson, because you thought about this way more than Zach Penn did. So uh, that's good. Yeah, I may not kiss girls, but I do know how to live in infinite. You know what? Wow! You know who? You know that? You know who? Show those bitches. That was a really, actually, a good line. You know who? You, you know who you just sounded like? You sounded like the uh, the bodyguard from Itania right now. You sounded like the penguin <laughs> from compliment. Batman Returns. I thought Batman. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. The penguin. I can live. That's- 
infinitely. <laughs> First of all, Danny you, DeVito. You guys are making me cry. Um, anyway. Oh, I give you this a two out of five. Hey. Hey. Let's move on to Nick. All oh, right. Well, uh, I'm ready player to have some fun. <laughs> Um, I did not like this movie. <laughs> Your puns are better than this fucking movie. You yeah, didn't have to you. do that much. I was going to say, it's not like I'm having any Ready Player puns over here. Get anyway. on with it. Okay, Samantha. So, um, I was not By a fan. By the way, I'll respond. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of this movie. Um, I, I do think... I don't regret watching it. I kind of enjoyed watching it in the IMAX. Like, I never really have a desire to see it again. But if a friend of mine wanted to watch it, there would be so many other films I would be glad that they didn't say instead of this one. So to speak. Like, that's, like, it sounds like such damning praise, but I feel like that's the only way I can describe how I think this movie does get from start to finish you know, in its own course, but I can't say I always enjoy the ride. I think if this movie was more interested in the man behind the contest than the contest itself, it would be a lot more interesting, especially because it is almost, it is almost like right there and ready to go uh, to explore pop culture in that vein. Like it wouldn't have to do so much different. It would just have to turn its head so many degrees to, to look at it that way. And I feel like that's what kind of feels like the missed opportunity here. Um, overall, some of the spectacle is pretty fun to look at. Um, some of the performances I actually quite enjoy. Uh, I got to say, I think Rylance and Mendelssohn are really elevating material that is very beneath them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where like every time they were on screen, I was happy. But then I was also just kind of like, oh. Well, like, I wish they were in a better movie. Yeah. Like, a better version of this movie. Like, it's not so much that I hate this movie and what it stands for or anything like that, but if they took their characters and they were in a better version of what what exists currently, I I just would have been just really satisfied. But unfortunately, this just wasn't that. Um, There are so many things here that I do have problems with, from the pacing to the uh, just the disparity between the themes presented and i i want to end before i say my rating by saying that uh it is either the baldiest thing you can do or the stupidest thing you can do to center your entire two hour and 20 minute movie around a virtual reality in which not only is anything possible literally as they say in the Mm -hmm. first 10 minutes but love can be found battles can be won corporate takeovers can be uh, decided so many things and have your last line of the film be but it ain't reality it's not real like that that is one of the worst uh, final lines I could think of for this movie because it just basically tells the audience that any investment you had in this fucking fake Adventure, which it was trying to tell you to have, and no work whatsoever. Was for naught. Exactly. Yeah. And as someone a who has a somewhat, uh, I would say, emotional attachment to online, yeah, and online relationships and such, um, 
I find that incredibly offensive. Mm-hmm. I find that because, A, there's totally a way to make this movie and say that you need to live both lives. Like, you need to yeah. live in the real world and yet online and gaming, whatever, can right. totally bring you, uh, you know, sustainable relationships or whatever. Not, we're not idea, for this fake reality. You would never have met Artemis to begin right. with. and. Yeah, and the false dichotomy, the false demarcation between the online life and offline life. And how about the fact that they only bond because he wears a suit from Buckaroo Bonzi and, Mm. you know, she loves whatever fucking pop culture she loves. I don't know. But (laughs) you don't know shit about her. I don't remember. anymore. She loves Akira. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. But like the story doesn't. They're only, you know, brought together because of their shared love of these products. Uh, the man who loved them and the contest that makes you explore them. And yet somehow it's not real. Like there, there is just something so insulting about that final line that that was kind of the final straw for me where I thought that, okay, clearly everybody who like, I'm not even talking about Ernest Klein, mm-hmm. even though he wrote the script from yeah. what I understand, but everyone who brought this to uh, the screen clearly did not think this through whatsoever and it made me sad because some of these scenes uh from the curator helping them go through the memories um where i felt like spielberg was in full minority report mode yeah and i say that as someone who i think likes minority report more than most people like i, I actually like think it. that that's one of spielberg's best films yeah like i'm all for uh that um it, it just felt incredibly insulting very offensive and just an afterthought uh so I give this movie... No, continue. Oh, no, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Did you have something to say? No. Okay. Uh, I give this movie one and a half out of five stars. I pretty much don't hate this movie by any means, but man, do I think it does the worst thing possible at so many turns that I can't really uh, go with it from start to finish. Your description of this reminds me of the game Scribblenauts. And how I used to be really excited about that because it's like a game where you you enter in any, any word and it would spawn an entity, right? So effectively, it was like it was infinite. You could do that right. until you realize, well, actually, it's not. It's actually all bullshit. I'm just like, hmm, that reminds me of Ready Player One. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a infinite world of pop culture references that apparently uh, are only the pop culture references as seen on the IMDb Top 250, and not mm. anything foreign. Not anything non-white, not anything uh, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, or anything else outside of that genre. Like it's just no, sir. So that sounds like hell. Very, very safe <laughs> yeah. type type thing. Very. And hey, Stephen did not want that Jurassic Park reference in there. Apparently, I just Stephen gets what he wants. Apparently not. Oh. Because it's still in there. (laughs) Here's here's one more little thing. Mm -hmm. How come the score never incorporates famous scores? I was going to say the same thing. And actually, I know it it does obviously famous tunes. Yeah, because but tunes are different. And tunes are tunes. It it, it actually incorporates (laughs) part of the Back to the Future score, but never goes full on Mm. into the. Go uh, into the uh, why am I like Swiss yeah. Army Man can take the Jurassic Park theme, mm-hmm. but Ready Player One apparently has no access to any film score whatsoever. But yet they've got the poster for Goldie Wilson from Back to the Future. So mm. 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I think that that was a huge mistake to not have any. I just any thought scores Spielberg, here. out of anybody who has literally made some, probably like if you take like the top fifty scores of all time, like I'm sure almost all of Spielberg's films would be on that list. Like I will say, I'm just saying, like that's how good his collaboration. This was one of his very few films without John Williams. As that is true. So um, I, I doubt that that would have anything to do with that. But That is true. Um, still. Instead, but... he collaborated uh, with Girl Talk. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you out there have any thoughts on Ready Player One or Steven Keep Spielberg, <laughs> that is an option. Or you could send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. <laughs> Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. Coming up on our next episode, we're going to talk about the film A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. Going to whisper. That's not going to get old on the episode. (laughs) No, you're you're definitely not going to be. I'm fucking hearing impaired, Tucson. Speak up. I'm sorry. Yep. No, that's that's going to be. That's going to be about the whole episode right Can there. Can I just say so. really quick? I'm, so I'm going to tease the audience right now. Uh, seriously, though, I'm going to tease the audience. I've seen A Quiet Place. I saw it last night at the time of this recording. Nobody here at this table, I think, no. has, has seen the movie, right? No. Not yet. Okay. Uh, I, I, this is not a spoiler because I'm not going to say anything specific or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So just bear with me here. But Things get loud. No. One of the characters in the movie... Uh, whereas, oh, technically she is the daughter of, in the family, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. Uh, she has a cochlear implant because she's deaf. Okay. Uh, so the cochlear implant, of course, works with the implant itself and then the hearing aid, essentially, that you wear with it to complement it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I, it would be spoiler to say how, but I will say that cochlear implant and her disability is extremely crucial to this movie. Oh, that's interesting. And I have to say, I can't tell if I'm biased as someone who wears hearing aids as to how fucking amazing that is. Representation matters, man. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's in a very fantasy-like way, yeah. uh, I, I can't wait to see what uh, hearing-abled people think about how this movie plays out. I'm looking forward to I'm it. I'm excited so. to see it. I, and it's, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but no. man, it's a really good one. Yeah. And that aspect alone just really tickled me. So, mm-hmm. but. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it and talking about it with you guys coming up uh, on our next episode. Hey. Sam or Samantha, thank you very much for joining us thank again. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have you. It's nice to join in every now and then. I know. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to have you back again a couple months down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no sooner. I know, I have restraining. Whatever. Yeah. So thank you again to Sam. Uh, and also, um, thank you to the audience from myself, Alex Steakman. Thank you, Ernest well, I Klein. I had to listen to you all. Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, thank you very much Am for I the catching up with of this us podcast? here at Film Tank. And we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you, Beetlejuice. <laughs> what? Just thinking all the references, man. Yeah. Oh boy. It's a reference. This is a really bad place to be. No one brought up TJ Miller. I'm really uncomfortable with <laughs> the, the fact. Get the fuck out, TJ Miller. <laughs> well, I got to say, I'm really uncomfortable with the I fact. Got 10 that... years worth of shit in there. Uh, yeah, your career. Your shitty career. <laughs> that ain't going nowhere. Yeah, that ain't going nowhere no more. Uh, fuck you, Silicon Valley. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that we did this entire episode with a bunch of pop figures staring at me and a poster for Back to the Future part, what is that, one? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of other shit. Like, I feel like everything I say should just basically be fucking null and void because clearly we are the target audience for this goddamn movie. Yeah, I don't think we are. We're not Asian, so. <laughs> oh well, no, I am suicidal, so. Oh, my God. Uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Rodberg in the air. Right? <laughs>